Welcome and thank you for joining us. Here at Calvary Chapel Eldoret, we believe in impacting and changing people's lives through the Bible, which is the only inspired and infallible Word of God. For more information, be sure to check out our website at ccelderet.org. That is ccelderet.org. And here is today's word. We thank God for the many people who have received Christ, many people who are continuing walking with Christ, those who are making commitments to follow Jesus Christ. It is a wonderful thing to do. And as he's, um, you know, exhorted us to be sensitive to God when he calls us, I don't know if any one of you is ready to go where God will send them to. If he sends me to Shimalavandu, I go right away. Okay. I shall not hesitate. Though I may not like it, but I will obey God's voice above all else. You know, if he calls you to Tarakanithi, please go. <laughs> calls you to Kitui, please, Valokia Ukienda. Go, go your way and serve the Lord over there. We need good churches around the country. We need people to be impacted. We need God's word to go forth widely. This doesn't happen with the presence of one man. It is by many, many of us. I know probably some of you have been called, but you're still battling. You're still asking yourself, if I leave this, how will it be? How will this situation be with me? I will not have money to sustain myself. I will not have this. Well, when God says go, you go. He will provide on the way. <laughs> if you don't trust in him, you will remain where you are. And later you might regret, but we don't want any of, of us to regret. We want to follow God above all else. So a lot of things in store for us and in store for the church here as we plan a lot. Today we begin... Ephesians and the picture that we see in the whole text, the whole book is for us to be transformed and becoming like Jesus, to be more and more like Jesus in everything that happens in our lives, to be in the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. This... Uh, Man called Paul, we have introduced him many times because we read his letters every other time. So we are quite acquainted with who he is. But I just mentioned a few things about um, the people he's trying to address and the city that he's writing this letter to. Uh, this is a letter that is uh, addressed to a group of believers who are rich beyond measure in Christ Jesus, yet living as beggars. They are blessed beyond measure, but they're living as beggars, as poor people. 
This city, the city of Ephesus, is by a Pliny called to the other light, the Asia, the light of Asia. Miletus was one and Ephesus was the other. It was the metropolis of the lesser Asia and one of the 12 cities of Ionia and the first and the chief of them. It is said to be built by the Amazons. It was famous for the magnificent temple of Diana. Do you guys know about the temple of Diana? For the Bible readers. <laughs> and the inhabitants of it were very much given to superstition and idolatry and even to the devilish acts as recorded in Acts chapter 19 verses 19. It abounded with orators and philosophers and men of great wisdom and learning and was formerly a very rich trading and flourishing city but now it's a village and a poor, desolate place. It retains the name though, but its greatness has gone away. It is located where we have the modern Turkey today. So if you want to go to Ephesus, please go to Turkey. <laughs> find all the information you can find and bring us your finding. We shall be pleased. And he's writing to these men and women who they have not realized how they are blessed, how they are rich, just living as beggars, living some pathetic lives. This is the first prison episode of Paul. He wrote this while in prison. And this is what we would ask ourselves, you know, what, what can you do when you are bound or literally in a situation where everything seems shattered? Would you want to write a letter? Or even if you'd write a letter, it would be, you know, a letter of complaint. <laughs> oh, I didn't have food. You know, these people, they torture people. They are merciless and... You know, in other words, you're inviting people for a pity party, to pity you. But that is not what Paul is doing right here. He's writing a very beautiful letter. It is not like any other letter that he's writing for correction. Other are corrective letters, you know. He's writing to the Galatians and also telling them, hey, you foolish Galatians, what happened? Why did you guys start in the spirit and you're making yourself complete in the flesh? It ought not to be. You foolish Galatians. He's <laughs> not warning them about the false teachers as we've been going through other texts. But then... Chapter 1 to chapter 3, he's talking about where we are seated in Christ. Our position where we are seated in Christ. 
in the heavenly places or what Christ has done for us. Everything that he's done for us. He records that in uh, chapter 1, 2, and 3. And chapter 4 to 6 is a practical walk with Christ. How we ought to conduct ourselves in light of what Christ has done for us. What Christ has done for us should cause us to walk in a manner worthy of him. Positional truth is what gives motivation and meaning to practical application. If you know where you are, your, your position is, then how you apply that truth in your life brings a lot of meaning to it. But if you don't know where you are, if you don't know your position, how are you, are you, are you going to apply God's truth to this practical work that we have? He begins this letter by saying, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. That in, is in essence saying, I am an apostle by the will of God, not by the will of man. He did not call himself into the ministry. God called him. I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. It is by the will of God that I'm doing whatever I am doing. It is by the will of God that I'm writing to you. It is by the will of God that he's given me charge and responsibility to go plant churches, to go raise men and women to do the will of God. And he's writing to who? To the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ. To who? To the saints. How many saints do you know in this planet? How many? I know you start to mention Saint Aquinas, Saint Teresa, Saint Katharina, Saint Paulo, Saint who again? Who really is a saint? A saint is a chosen one. One who is set apart. If you've turned away from your sin and trusted the finished works of the cross, you are a saint. Say that again. If you've turned away from your sins and trusted the finished works of the cross, you are a saint. And this means that God has set you apart for his special purposes in this world and has sent his Holy Spirit to indwell you. In other words, if you like, you can call me St. Peter, right? 
Send Caro. <laughs> Send Joanna. Send Michelle. You know, it doesn't seem to you like you are. But that is what we hear from the Bible. Don't be deceived, but if you want to be a saint, you have to perform this miracle and do this. And after you actually die, that's when you are named a saint. Where did you read that in the Bible? Which reference is that? Every one of you. I know many of you don't believe it. (laughs) But you better believe it. And if you doubt, go ask God. He will tell you the same. But this here is the paradox. Paul, at the end of his writings, he says, hey, I am the chief of sinners. I'm the chief of all sinners. In other words, we are saints, and at the same time, we are sinners. A saint and a sinner. If you want to reconcile those things, do your best. But know this truth, that you are a saint and you are a sinner. There's a process that happens in between the sainthood and your life as a sinner. That there is sanctification that happens daily in our lives. We will never be perfect as long as we still have this mortal body in this earth But when he shall be revealed, the Bible says, we shall be like him. We shall be like him. So, you are a saint. Go home with the good news (laughs) that you are a saint. You're born again, you are a saint. To the saints who are in Ephesus, he's not talking to the people who are dead. Because other denominations, like, they make people saints after they are died. They are trying to scrutinize if they ever did any miracle for them to, you know, put them as saints. Like the Catholics do. That is not what we see in the scriptures. To the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. This means these people are living and they are faithfully doing the will of God regardless. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. As always, grace and peace, they go hand in hand like love and marriage, the wife and submission, the husband and love, all these things, they go together. You don't separate them. Grace and peace. And would rightly say that it is grace, it's God's riches at Christ's expense. The unmerited gift of divine favor. We didn't deserve, but yet he's given this to us. If you don't understand grace, you won't have peace. And to the degree that you understand grace is to the degree that you will have peace. I'll say that again. 
to the degree that you understand grace is to the degree that you will have peace. Peace of God and peace from God. Say grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed is, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now think about where Paul is writing this letter from. He is in the dungeon, he is in the prison bound. But yet, the atmosphere of this letter is from the heavenlies, from where Christ is seated, drawn from the heaven. This is not drawn from the prison. This is not drawn from the worldly ideas. It is drawn from the heavenly places. Do you know that regardless of the situation or where you'd be, you'd enjoy heaven where you are? You can. Paul is in pain. Because what happens in these Roman prisons is brutal. But at the end of the day, look at what he's saying. Blessed be the God of our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. If you are in Christ, you are in the heavenly places places. You dwell in the heavenlies realm. Though you're physically here, but your attitude, your mind is fixed in the things that are above. Your dwelling is in the heavenly places. We ain't in heaven yet, but our realm is heaven. That's our position. That is what he's talking about. If you know your position, if you know where you are, it will quicken your understanding to know how to walk according to his will. He was in prison and he wrote this letter. Where you are should not hinder you from doing the will of the Father. And this is the exhortation that we see here from the Bible. That always find what you can do for him. Not just waiting for what you want him to do for you. What do you want to do for the kingdom of God? Josh just mentioned it, that... You know, if, if you're sensitive in the spirit and you're praying for this thing, you'll see that there's great harvest out there that lies in wait for the people. Lies in wait for you and I. If we'll do nothing about it, shall remain. 
If we do something about it, many people will see heaven because we'll be proactive. We'll be doing things for the sake of the kingdom. In light of what Christ has done for you, then rise up and do something for him. Rise up and do something for him. Don't complain of your situation or where you are. Whoever has the right to complain was Paul. Did he? No, he didn't. Why? Because when you are in the heavenly realms, <laughs> what do you want to complain about? In the heavenly places in Christ, there are a lot of blessing, spiritual blessing. The problem is we are looking for things that are temporal, things that are from the earth, earthly bound, Yet, we see from the scripture that this earth is not our home. We are sojourners. We are pilgrims. We are here just for a short time. But for the short time that we are here, man, we are making this a home. <laughs> we want to make sure we are not moved out of this place. But if the Lord calls me home, I'd be happy calls me home today, I'd be happy. What about you? <laughs> you still want to go to Rupa Mall? <laughs> oh man, the things that excite us are pathetic. You know, waiting for a new mall to be built so that you go taste some burgers, <laughs> fries, a whole pizza for yourself. You make it go away. It's, it's no problem making one pizza go away, a big one. I have no problem with that. I will take it away. <laughs> Man, Paul did, didn't have even ugalichemsha in prison. But yet he's writing while he is in the heavenly realms. The heavenly places, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. You remember what we learned when we were studying the book of Jude, Jude 24. He said he would present us to himself for his own good pleasure. And this text, these verses that we're reading, the next two verses here, they have brought a lot of trouble in the world, a lot of debates in the world. The debates about what? Election and predestination. That God has elected people, he's predestined a few people to go to heaven and the rest to see hell. Some of you are disdained for greatness, while some of you, kulangumu. <laughs> some of you are disdained 
to drive big cars, to build big houses. Some of you, <laughs> we shall be the children of Israel, wandering for 40 years. <laughs> you know, the shoes are growing as we see on our feet. The assurance that he chose us in him before time. Election. The primary understanding is how Christ has chosen us out of the world and referring to his original choice, original plan. Because before the, the, the earth was formed, and he knew that he would make people, and he knew that these people, at the very onset, they would disobey God, and God will not make them as robots to try to force his will upon them. He gave them free will. Like if God created a perfect being, why did they choose evil in the first place? So how can a perfect being choose evil? How is it possible? But then people argue that we have a set of people, that these are the chosen people, and they will take you to Revelation that these are, there are 144,000. These are the people who will see heaven. Is heaven your home? <laughs> Where do you want us to go? We are born again. Where do you want us to go? People have trouble with this verse. But you know, they don't have trouble with other verses in the Bible like Jeremiah chapter 1 verses 5. That before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and I ordained you to be a prophet unto many nations. Why? Because this speaks of greatness. <laughs> this speaks of something that I want. I want to be a prophet. You know, if I am a prophet, people will bow down before me. In fact, after service, every one of you come and pass here <laughs> for you to receive greatness. Well, that is witchcraft. <laughs> that is not what we see in the Bible. He ordained us to be his prophets, to be, in other words, his representation here on planet Earth, to represent him, to be the mouthpiece of God, that when he speaks to us, we say what he says to the world, not our own ideas, not what we feel like saying, not what I want to say, because the things I want to say to you, friends, are pathetic. They don't give life. They don't save no one. But the Bible gives us life. God's word gives us life. We are redeemed. We are saved. Washed by the blood of Jesus. So he chose us in him before the foundation of the earth. Do you know what I want to believe? is what is written here. <laughs> that he chose us before the foundation of the earth. And as we go towards the end, he will say, hey, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We are sealed. 
So the other question is, so what about those who don't know God? Are they chosen? Are they sealed? Were they predestined for destruction? What is their choice in life? The one thing that we have to take home is there are mysteries that we have to believe in faith, what it says, embrace it by faith, and what we can do is to trust God. If you try to reconcile all these things in your mind, have fun with it. <laughs> but what I want to do is to just receive God's word as it is. It is as simple. I know that God in Christ has chosen us out of the world to be his own chosen people. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a people chosen by God himself. So whatever angle you want to take the debate, have fun with it. We are chosen to be what? That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That is why we are chosen. <laughs> that is why we are taken out of the world so that we will represent Christ the way we are supposed to. And then verse 6, it talks about predestination. We are predestinated here. Having predestinated us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Whatever he does, he finds pleasure in doing it. He finds pleasure in electing us he finds pleasure in doing the predestination. He loves doing it. So why should it trouble you? Why should it bring a lot of debate in your mind? He decided beforehand, before the beginning of this, our time, God knew that Today, it would rain in the morning and some people would choose not to come to church and some of you would choose to come to church. Did anyone force you to come to church? No. Did God predestine that you'd be here today? Yes. Because he's all-knowing. But did you have a choice to remain home or to come here? Yes, you have a choice. So how do I reconcile these things? I don't know and I want not to get in those debates. All I know is that God is sovereign. He's above all things. Predestination is that effective exercise of the will of God by which things before determined by him are brought to pass.
He talks about predestination and also talks about adoption. In John chapter 1, verses 12, the Bible says, But as many has received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. So we have a group that has believed in his name and they are now adopted to be God's children. But the previous verse says, he was in the world. No, verses 11. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. So we still have two groups of people that he knows about. One group, he came to them, came actually for everyone. This group did not accept him. The other group accepted him. Do you know when people will be going to hell, God in his love will release them to go. He won't say, well, I am a loving God, abounding in mercy. You shall not see hell. <laughs> Trust me, if you don't receive Jesus, you're headed there, <laughs> straight. But is that God's will? As we studied in the epistle of Peter. No? He does not want anyone of us to perish but to see everlasting life. So whatever this debate will take you, have fun with it. But know for sure that we are elected, we are predestined, we are adopted, we are redeemed, and we are forgiven. All these things, they are from God, and we need to embrace them. Embrace the mystery of God. He continues to say that to the praise of the glory of, of his glory, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness. The forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. According to the riches of his grace, he has forgiven us. He has redeemed us. So in other words, we would say the believer is redeemed and forgiven. You could say that these are means by which the will of God could be accomplished regarding us. Forgiveness as well as redemption have been accomplished through the work of Christ and were necessary because sin came into the world. These are things that are necessary for us even today because we live in a sinful world. We need forgiveness. And he provides forgiveness of sins according to the riches 
of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Do you know that it is a, within his will to reveal himself more to us? He wants you to know him more. He wants you to search because he's ready to reveal these mysteries that the world cannot understand. He wants to reveal these things to you. When Jesus was teaching, he always used the parables. Sometimes they could understand, sometimes they could not. If they were Unable to understand, they would call him back later and say, hey, what did you mean by this? And he would reveal the truth thereof to them. It is in his good pleasure to reveal his will to you. You know, for the young people, the unmarried, the one troubling thing for them is how do I know the will of God for my life in this season? How do I enjoy singlehood? And how do I know for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure that he is the one? How do I know? Do you know how to know? It's to find God. Find God, and God will reveal things to you. He will give you peace with situations. He will open your eyes to see. You guys know what happened with Adam. The Bible says that God caused a deep sleep. That was deep. Because some of us, your light sleeper, someone touches you and you're up. For you to be operated for any reason, they have to induce some things in your veins so that you go numb, so that you don't feel it. But this was God himself doing it. He caused a deep sleep, and what happened? He picked a rib from Adam and fashioned Eve. Fashioned Eve. You know why a lot of young men don't have wives? It's because they have refused to go to sleep. I'm not talking about your usual sleep, your usual slumber. You have not accepted to go to sleep. Because when you go to sleep and God does the operation and he brings her to you, you will know. And this will be your song. The bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called Eve because she came from a man or the mother of the living, Eve. 
And you know the other problem also with them ladies? That God brings them before the man and they don't want Adam. They want Steve. So they're looking for someone else somewhere. You better be sensitive to what God is doing. So remember that we are redeemed and we are forgiven. And it is within his good pleasure for him to reveal his will to us. And in that dispensation of the fullness of the time, that he might gather together in one of, in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. He does not seek the counsel of any other person. The counsel of his will. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also have trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. We shall read up to that today. You see this beautiful part that he's talking about. Still have in mind that Paul is writing this while in prison, but he is in the heavenly places. Now he's talking about other things. He's talking about our inheritance that we've talked about at length in our previous teachings. Our spiritual blessings what we are looking forward to in the heavenly places. I don't know what you're looking forward to. Some of you are looking forward to asking the other saints questions. <laughs> I'm not looking for asking anyone questions. I'm looking forward to enjoying God's presence. Those questions won't help me in heaven. They won't make me better. They won't bring any satisfaction by that time. All I know is that the believer has an inheritance. We have obtained an inheritance. that was predestinated according to the purpose of him who worked all things according to the counsel of his will. And as he's writing to the Ephesians, because as I alluded earlier, this was a, a city, one of the cities where, you know, those learned people and a lot of transaction, business transaction was going on. And the language that he's using here was known to the people in terms of business. 
that if they would go to exchange, you know, the goods, they're trading, you come across this product that you want, but you don't have the full payment of it, the agreement that you're getting into with the owner is, hey, I like this product, but I don't have full payment for it. So what are we going to do? I don't want any other person to be given this product. Yet I don't have the full payment. So I will, I'm going to do what? A down payment. And they, were, they, they honored this agreement. So if the product was 100,000 shekels and this other businessman has half of it, Say, I have half of it. Please seal this business. Seal this deal. So that when I have, when I will bring the full amount, then I will receive it to myself as my own. The business people know that. But you know, nowadays people are not faithful with those words. They get into agreements and they don't fulfill it. And so for him to allude to this statement that the believer is sealed with the Holy Spirit, they knew for sure that when there is a sealing, then no one else is not supposed to view it or has possession of this product. And this gave them the assurance that because we are sealed by the Holy Spirit, we are saints and we are still sinners, work on progress. When we shall see him or when he will be revealed, we shall be like him when everything now is fully changed, when we are transformed and our image is not this one that we have, not our earthly bodies anymore. But who is the guarantee? It's the Holy Spirit. He guarantees a lot of things. Our inheritance. It is sealed and it is guaranteed. It says here, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession of the praise of his glory. As I bring the worship team to come, You know, think about this, you know, people being sealed. Some of us don't have confidence that we're even born again. Some of us are not confident that we are even followers of Jesus Christ. We even don't know that what it, it entails to follow Jesus Christ. We just like the idea of, you know, we are with the church family, and it's good. It's good to be with people around. It's good that, uh, you know, we go to church, we sing songs, sometimes the songs I like, sometimes I, I don't, but nonetheless, they're nice. <laughs> Do you have any assurance that you're born again? Because if you are, even right in the troubling situations, 
still you can live in the heavenly places like Paul. He's in the dungeon, but he's in the heavenly places. He didn't say, well, I don't have any other way to reach people. Imagine we are reading those letters that he wrote in prison today. I don't know about you, but I know for sure that the eyes of the Lord are to and fro on this planet trying to find people whose hearts are steadfast on him. Will you be found in him when he returns? Or currently, as we live with the fact that we are saints and we are sinners, what is the nature of our business? Is our business to honor God? Is our business to do the will of who? Are we doing the will of God or are we doing our own will? You need to search it, find out what it is. Anything that might hinder you from doing the will of God. Is it imprisonment? As we talked about in three weeks ago or something, the prison of unforgiveness. You don't want to let things go. Which prison are you? Is it a physical one or a spiritual one? God is watching and he's given you and I an opportunity to live right, to do things right, to do his will above all else. Yes, I am a saint, but also I am a work in progress. There are many things in my life that needs a lot of work. If I cannot depend on the Holy Spirit, I'll mess myself up. If I cannot depend on God, I'll mess myself up. Think about it. And let the Holy Spirit reveal these things to you. That even when you are in this situation, some good can come out of it. Oh, I was born, you know, nowadays we, we have a general term for it. I was born in a humble background, raised in a humble background. You know, we didn't have this and that. Get that off your head. <laughs> You're alive. You can do many things and better things for the kingdom of God. Remember as Josh mentioned that this is our what? Our Jerusalem. We start from here. 
ministering to one another, ministering to the people around us, and taking the gospel to the uttermost parts of the world. God, we thank you. Thank you for the privilege that you have given to us to listen to your word. We thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that within your will, you find pleasure in revealing yourself to us. How I pray that anyone who is in need of you, that you will reveal yourself to them. Those who need your wisdom, please grant. I need your wisdom. Please grant me your wisdom, God. We need you. We need your Holy Spirit. Help us to walk in a manner that is worthy of your cross. Help us to know our position so that we'll walk in accordance to your word. As we give to you this morning, Lord, may we give what we did purpose in our hearts to give, giving joyfully and giving what you're worth. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to today's teaching. We hope that you've been inspired and blessed. For more teachings and other resources, visit our website at ccelderet.org or call us at 0718-012-496. That is 0718 See you next time.